Welcome back to Heart Fail 73. I'm Tommy. I am Adam. We are uh, on our second go about on this. Excellent. Today we're going to talk about millennials. We're going to talk about categorization, stereotypes. Bigotry. Big, yes. All Everyone loves to talk about bigotry. Yeah, even if they don't know it, they love to talk they about it. They love to point at people and say, you're a bigot. Absolutely. <laughs> they never look in a mirror and say, I am a bigot and I own this. People rarely look in the mirror. But they say they do all the time. They actually look in the mirror a lot, but their mirror is a cell phone while they're taking a selfie. Huh. Let's talk about millennials. Millennials take selfies a lot. They do, as do Generation X, as do Baby Boomers, as do Generation Z, as does anyone who has a cell phone has probably taken a selfie at one point in their life. That's probably true. All right. The first episode, we talked about millennials a lot. We kind of joked about it. The reason we joked about it was because we were speaking to librarians who were... Millennials. That's correct. And they, one of them claimed, I am not a millennial. I am actually a... I don't remember. Zennial. Oh, that's right. I was hoping she would be here tonight and join us in the booth and talk about being a Zennial. Because uh, she was saying that a Zennial is somebody that's born between 1981 and 1986 or something like that. So they got like all the, all the, all the benefits of, of being a Generation Xer, which is, you know, all the, all the hard work and... And stuff that the are we hard working? I apologize. Aren't we? I, oh, well, I am. You are. You're a. I mean, you you work hard. I do. Yeah. So why are you questioning that? I'm just questioning the categorization of uh, of our generation. Yes. Hard workers. Huh. Yes. I would have questioned it too. Um, because when the older generation was looking down on us, we were not hard hard workers. You know, here's the thing, though. When they were looking down on us, we were the same age as the millennials are now. Correct. And so, that's usually. That's usually what happens is the older generation looks down on the younger generation, puffs themselves up, and says, you know, we were doing better when we were their age. Sure. Absolutely. Were we doing better when we were millennials' ages? No. No, we not are, at all. We, we are just about a millennial, actually. <laughs> you know what? Our, our parents weren't doing any better when they were our age either. So millennial is from 1981 to 1996 is the range that I found. Okay. Generation X is around 1965 to 1980 or so, somewhere in there. And then Generation Z is 1997 and up. But they're the blossoming generation right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good word for it, blossoming. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about bigotry and categorization and... What is your viewpoint on it as far as a society in America? Where do we stand, Mr. Average Joe? <laughs> we are horrible about it. Everybody likes to do it. Everybody does it. Everybody points at everybody else and says, oh, that group over there, those guys suck because of this. That group over there, those guys are good because of this. That group over Everybody does it in every single aspect, and it Honestly, as a person who has been therapied, it drives me crazy. You went to a private Christian grade school. Yep, and high school. I went to a private Christian grade school. And high school. And we played your school in sports. Yeah. We played oh, against absolutely. you in sports absolutely. during grade school. Oh, I know. Where and this it was going. always those guys at that school, they're snobby, yep. they're big headed. We're, we need to beat them because they think that they're everything and at that school. We had no idea that that's what you guys <laughs> thought about us. We had no clue. We were there like uh, we were thinking that about some other schools. Did we have to learn that? 
What do you mean? Say, like, did it, does a child need to learn our group is better than this other group, or that group thinks they're better than us, so therefore we need to bring them down? Or is that just human nature that starts from a very young age looking at people that have a slightly different situation than you are in and automatically assuming things about them and therefore, your assumption leads to bigotry. Well, see, and I think that's that's I mean that's a decent example. I would I would take that in a little bit of a different direction, and I would say that that has a lot more to do with with fitting in or adapting to your own surroundings. Like, say you notice that that, that school that you're playing against, uh, those guys have a, a have a nicer gym, they have nicer equipment, they have nicer whatever. So you automatically think that they're a richer school, and that 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 you wouldn't fit in there. So in order to... They have a privilege. Correct. They have a privilege. You automatically think, well, they have a privilege, and me and my buddies, we don't. So I'm going to talk to my buddies, and we are going to make sure that we're on the same page and we fit in together. And it's basically just just you guys looking for some type of um, reinforcement about yourself. It has nothing to really do with their privilege. It has to do with... I need some sort of validity in who I am. Self-gratification, puffing yourself up. So there's a, a research group called Barna.com, Barna Group. It's sort of like the Christian polling website. So you have like Pew Research that comes out with different uh, information gathering. Uh, what do you call that? <laughs> I can't think. Uh, 50% of males are actually men. Like. What? Pew Research, what do you call a study, a, a, okay. like a generational study or whatever? Okay. So they said that uh, millennials are connected but alone, spiritual openness, age of anxiety, looking for answers, resilient discipleship, and longing to make a difference. So you went super fast. Do it one I more went time. very fast. Do it one more time. But here's my point. Okay. Any human being fits these things. All right. Well, it's so we have connected but alone. Okay. That's our modern day society. Everyone is yeah, connected, connected online. But they're sitting in their room. All by yeah, themselves. Correct. Um, they have a spiritual openness. Okay. Every single person, even an atheist, has a spiritual openness. Has a spiritual openness. Sure. An age of anxiety. I think human beings now are more medicated than they've ever been in the history of the world. That's probably true. We have looking for answers. Who's not looking for answers? We have resilient discipleship. What does that even mean? I have no idea. It says across religious climates, the data point to a keys forming faithful Christ followers, even among those Christians who lapse in ritual. I can't pronounce that word. Longing to make a difference. Everybody longs to make a difference. So I used to write uh, a project called a book called Life, containing the answers to the meaning of life. Three questions. What is life? What is the meaning of life? Uh, four things that you personally need to live or survive. I remember. The whole purpose of this was to point out what is your purpose in life. Because the way that somebody answered those questions would reveal what they value above other things. Sure. And one of my deductions from these questions was that everyone is longing for a purpose. And right now, you have actually worldwide young people, including us, who don't feel like they have a purpose. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. There's a, I mean, I know a lot of folks that uh, 
that you know in some of my groups that I that I've been in that that was their that was their main struggle their main struggle in life was one of these guys you know had some really terrible things happen and you know he's on the edge uh, and his biggest concern was where do I find purpose what what makes me want to keep going where is my value and it's a hard one to answer you know it's a difficult thing to steer somebody in a purpose um, or to even like talk to them and find out what they like what they're good at how, what you know what they do that gives them value because all of it comes down to well this person I helped and so that gives me purpose but when you're in a therapy session or a, you know a, a therapy scenario the thing that you're trying so hard to learn is how to have self-value how to value yourself without relying on somebody else to give you purpose and that was one of the most difficult things for for some of those guys to to deal with one of the things that i've noticed did you play video games growing up of course what was your favorite video game oh man you know battle toads you remember that battle toads pretty sweet it was very sweet. We were poor, though, so we couldn't afford that game. <laughs> well, I went to this other school where uh, where we were privileged. And, um, uh, here's the thing. Could you save in that game? Um, you, could, you, you couldn't save. You could, uh, you could continue. Okay. So you could continue up to so, three times. And okay, then but then sucked, the game's over. Done. You're done. Yep, start over. Think about this. There's games now. I, I have a nine-year-old son and he loves minecraft yeah absolutely i love minecraft too minecraft is great it's like a lego unlimited legos in computer form you can make anything that you want i didn't like legos when i was a kid either excellent uh, you could build anything you want with legos though either way there was no set goal or there is no set goal with legos or minecraft or any of that i mean yeah if you buy a, a lego set you know, you right, build right. the set, but then once you're done, you're like, well, I want to build something else. So you just tear it apart and you right. make something else. My son is not that way. When he builds the set, he doesn't want to take it apart. He wants to put it on a shelf and leave it there. So we have multiple shelves in his room that are just Lego sets that he doesn't want to take apart. So Minecraft as well, you don't destroy things like you just build and sure. build and build and you build as long as you want to he sure. would spend every hour of every day playing it if i let him right on one of the things that people do beyond minecraft whatever game you're doing call of duty or you know shoot the other guy whatever kind of thing yeah i played that game shoot the other guy it's one of my um <laughs> is there is a set purpose the set purpose in halo or call of duty is shoot the other guy sure you're better than him. Correct. You prove it by getting really good at this game and then going online and telling him that you're better than him. Right. Okay. One of the things with Battletoads is you could continue and get really good at it and then you made it to the end boss. Right. And you defeated it. You and then you're game. like and then you're like, that's awesome. Right. I'm done playing that game now. Maybe right. you kept on playing. Mario Brothers as well. You right. got to the end, you rescued the princess, game over. There was set goals and purposes for video games. Sure. We grew up when it was just starting. Yep. Now the generation below us, that's video games are bigger than sports now. Correct. Video games are sports now. Correct. And there's really no purpose or set goal beyond, for a lot of them, 
beating the other guy. So you get back to the sports analogy. When we were kids, we played sports against each other. If you were able to defeat that school, awesome. You felt so good. You get to high school. It's more competitive. It's actually really intense. You get to college. You get to professional sports. You have people who are sitting in couches yelling at other cities. That would be me. Saying, <laughs> yep, that would be me. Your city is not as good as mine. Yep, that's exactly how I say it, too. Uh, yep, those are the words I use in everything. I'm yelling at the TV. Your city is not as good as mine. But uh, it's exactly right. I I don't like to use language. I know you don't. I, um, I, so, but think of this mentality that people have. The mentality always comes down to, I'm better than you. Not, I've accomplished something on my own. Correct. But I'm better than you. Now, if you're talking about an actual professional athlete that's on the field, they probably have that, I have accomplished this, or my team has accomplished this, and that is a wonderful feeling. But I think that's, it's all about how you, I mean, if you're talking about kids, you know, I mean, it's all how you raise your children. It's all how you raise your kids. I mean, I I have, I have three kids, you know, uh, my boys have played sports football is their thing uh my, my daughter was in you know competitive cheer and, and stuff like that um cheer by the way biggest team sport i've ever witnessed in my life competitive cheer coolest thing ever okay um, <laughs> just fyi like one person starts to fall it takes the whole team to save that it's the coolest team sport i have ever watched okay anyways the, the point is is that you know like my oldest son he he loves football man he will go out there and he will hit you so hard that, you know, your mom in the stands gets a broken leg. That's how hard he hits because he loves the game. He doesn't want to go out there and, and, and kill his opponent. He wants to go out there and play football. Okay. And he will go out there and he will crush somebody. And as soon as this guy hits the ground, the first thing he does is he reaches his hand down, helps him up, pats him on the top of the helmet, and sends him back to his, his own huddle. It's sportsmanship. Good sportsmanship, yes. And it's all about how you raise him. And and. I've made it a point to be, like, very on point when I critique his play. Not, hey, you were the best out there today. Mo- no, no, that's, that, that doesn't do anything for anybody. I tell him, I really enjoyed watching you play today. You really did your job well. You really contributed to your team. You know, those are the things that, that are going to help him be a good sport. Not, you know, I don't know why, uh, why your other linebacker sucks so bad, you know. That, I mean, that, what does that do? What does that do for anybody? You're better than that other kid. You should be playing more. Right. And, you know, there's none of that. You know, and if, and if, and, and there are times when he's, he's come out and he said, you know, man, this guy's better than me. And, and I just, I'm not playing as much. And I, it really sucks. And I say, you know what? He's not better than you. Okay. He's not. You're not better than him either. But you need to focus on what you need to do to help your team. If you want to be out there, you do what your coach tells you. You work hard, you get what you want. So let's go back to millennials then. Connected but alone in reference to a team sport, working together as a team to get the job done. So there's lots of, I don't want to say crying, but a lot of uh, like social justice is big nowadays. It's huge. Um, One of the things is if there is an injustice, we need to point it out, but there's n- very little action. 
there's very little solutions offered. It's just right. right. We this is wrong. We need to stop this. Right. There's no reasonable standard that is in the world. And obviously I have have a standard to talk about. But injustices are pointed out constantly. Solutions are not correct. Rarely. Rarely. Very rarely. We take this into account that the younger generation is connected but feeling alone. They, it's referred to as the age of anxiety. They don't trust anybody. We watched a four-minute video that was released by a church talking about reaching out to millennials. And the one truth that they first offered was that millennials trust absolutely nobody. And the second truth that they offered was they are spiritually available and open. But anytime that you categorize a whole group of people, you end up stereotyping, being a bigot, uh, failing miserably. Oh, exactly. Because there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. Correct. Um, there's there's very few people that I trust as well. Everybody has their inner circle of trust, people that they will confide in, people that they will tell their secrets, people that... They will lend their car to whatever kind of thing. Um, So the fact that this person in a a church video said that millennials don't trust anyone, it's such a broad categorization that it doesn't make sense. But yet you do trust your inner circle. Sure. You trust your inner circle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, where do you get your inner circle from? By being connected to people. Connected how? Connected with meaningful relationships. How do you build a meaningful relationship with another human being? Well, I'm sure there's there's several ways, but you need to spend some time with them. You need to spend some quality time with them. Right. Does this mean just doing activities with them? Absolutely not. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's part of our generation, I think, is that doing activities. Um, well, I, and there I am generalizing, but I, I feel like doing activities was a way for us to connect with each other. Hey, you want to come over and help me work on this truck? And we will talk while we do it. You know? No, I okay. do not. I know you don't. I know you don't. Do That's you want why me to I've come never over? Built a meaningful relationship with you while doing activities. <laughs> we used to go to Perkins at yes. two o'clock in the morning. Yep. And just sit there and talk. Yeah, it was great. How how many people still do that? In a younger generation, do you think? I don't know. You should go around and ask them. (laughs) You know, I'd be curious to know because it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how any, I don't know how many people do anything anymore. Everybody's on Facebook. Everybody's on Twitter. Instagram. Yes. Everybody's on all that crap. And even when they're sitting there with each other, connecting to make meaningful relationships, they will pick up their phone and do something that is non-meaningful. So, connected but alone, do you blame technology? Man, yeah, sure, you can blame technology. You could blame technology, I, I, I guess. Um, do you think people said that when the telephone came out? Like, now people won't walk over to people's houses anymore. They'll just pick up a phone and call them. They won't actually have a face-to-face meeting. Maybe. Maybe they did. No more calling cards. 
Maybe they do. I wish you would bring or send over a calling card every once in a while. Like, uh, I think that would be classy. 10, 10, 320 or, or huh? calling card? <laughs> calling card. Do you remember those things? No. Me neither. Okay. <laughs> There's so much to edit this time. Here's the problem. I thought that talking about a subject would actually be very much focused. Give us some kind of diaphragm, but I'm 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 bored with this like serious. I don't know where we're going. I don't know where we're going either. Here's what I can tell you. Here's what I know. I don't think technology is to blame. I don't think millennials are to blame. I don't think their parents are to blame. I don't think their grandparents are to blame. I don't think politics is to blame. I think human nature is to blame. I think it's all human nature. People want to fit in. I watched you know, I watched my young son who has some of the same struggles that I had when I was young, and he wants to fit in. And somebody treats him like crap, he will go to the people that don't treat him like crap and do things that he normally wouldn't do to make sure that he can fit in with those people, um, to be part of something, to get some type of value, to make himself feel validated and good about himself. Oh, these people like me. I, if, if this is all I have to do to act to get these people to like me, then that's what I'm going to do. And I think that's human nature. And I think people in general in this society are all guilty of the same thing. And pow, technology comes out. And Facebook is the thing. And Instagram is the thing. And Twitter is the thing. And that's what everybody does. People long to be loved. Absolutely they do. And people also want to love somebody else. Absolutely they do. Because at the end of the day, what, what was the purpose of your life if there's nobody to witness it? If you're all alone, did you even live a life? What's the point? I wrote a poem once. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's about a guy who started counting. And while he was counting, he wrote down the numbers in a notebook. And every day, every second, he wrote down that number as he was counting it. As the years went by, people noticed what he was doing, and they said, hey, wow, this is amazing. This guy is doing something that nobody else has ever thought of doing before. And so he gained a little bit of fame. He was on a talk show. He actually ended up marrying a woman because of this, having kids. And all along, he was writing the numbers as he was counting them. When he died, the world was sad because all that was left was a book full of numbers. And? And that is my analysis of what a lot of people, how they live their life. They spend their life doing something that they think is meaningful, that they think is unique, that they think is going to change the world. And then they end up dying, and they've done nothing. So tell me this. Why is this guy writing down numbers? Just something he decided to do one day. Very innovative. Nobody's ever thought about doing this before. Okay. Um, do so don't think, oh, go sorry. for it. No, do go you, for it. Do you think society as a whole, like people in general, want that? They want to do something that nobody else has thought about doing before? They want to be unique. Everybody wants to be unique. Yet, at the same time, uniqueness can lead to loneliness. See, I think it's all an age thing, man. I think, yeah, everybody wants to be unique when you're, you know, when you're grouped in with a group of people that you don't want to be grouped in with. Everybody wants to stand out. Everybody wants to be unique from a from an early age. 
on. And I don't know when it changed for me because I, I remember feeling that way. I remember wanting to be different and rebellious and do something with my life that that would just, you know, prove everybody that, that ever said a bad thing about me wrong. I remember wanting to do that. Like, oh, you said I would never make it. Boom, I'm going to do something. But some somewhere, sometime, everything changed. I mean, I could probably get into it and figure it out, but we're not going to do that tonight. But when, you know, now I'm at the point in my life where I'm just, uh, I just want to not be unique. I just want to be a regular dude who goes to work and brings home a paycheck. And it doesn't need to be a big paycheck, just one that pays the bills, puts food on the table for the kids, maybe get some, uh, you know, some ice cream on a Friday night so that when I do die, they can look back and they can go, you know, we didn't always have everything, but man, and, and you know, you don't know this guy, but dude, never missed a football game. He was always there for me when I needed him, when I was sad, when I went through this, when I went through that, he listened. He didn't, <laughs> sorry, sorry, man. He wasn't a jerk. You know, he, he that, yeah. you know, he was there and, and I'm totally content with that being, you know, who I am. I don't need to be unique. I don't need to do anything innovative. Purpose finds itself in being there for others in a meaningful way. I think it does. Excellent. What does the world need to do to change its perspective? From some guy, Average Joe, in a booth that's very hot right now right. in southern Minnesota. <laughs> right. How do, I mean, what does the world need to do to change a perspective? They need to... There's something wrong with the world. Yeah, they need to disconnect. They need to get out and have meaningful relationships with each other. They need to get to know each other. They need to put the technology down and not be constantly engaged in what's going on around the world. Is that fair to say? I, I mean, I think it is. I mean, I... What happened in France today? I have no idea. I have no idea either. But if the news flashes something on the crawl that says France, blah, 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 millions of people will have an opinion about it. Of course. Everybody's entitled to have an opinion about anything, right? True, but does it affect their lives in any meaningful way beyond how much they let it affect them? You know, that's the funny thing. I think the only way that it affects their lives is when they find other people don't have the same opinion as them, and then they let that affect them. But they can talk to people in a respectful, in their, in a in a respectful, respectful way. way. But they don't. Why not? I don't know. I do. Tell me. We have five minutes left. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I don't know if we actually covered much today, but here's here's where it boils down to. We started off talking about categorization and how bigotry and categorization and we kind of went to social justice and we went to talking about pointing the finger at injustice and not looking at the mirror. So there's always another guy who has done something wrong. There's always somebody else who you can point a finger or I can point a finger at and say, I've done something wrong, but that guy did something worse. 
and the world loves that. They love to do that in groups, actually. You have the older generation looking down on the younger generation and pointing the finger and saying, they're not doing the things that I think they should be doing, therefore they're naughty millennials. <laughs> is that is that is that adjective used with millennials enough? I, I don't think so. No, think we're gonna start anytime somebody mentions millennials now, I think there should be the stamp that everyone says naughty millennials before they say millennials and speak about them in disparaging aspect or disparaging in any disparaging way. Um so I I guess my point is the world is so self-centered. People in general are so self-centered that they constantly need to point the finger at somebody else and say they are doing something that I don't like. But they very rarely will look at themselves and say, you know what? I did something that I don't like. And that's the self-realization that needs to happen in the world to change its perspective. That will be covered in our next episode, hopefully. The self-examination that needs to happen, not just in southern Minnesota, in a very warm booth (laughs) where two guys are sitting here, but also to every single person in the entire world. Anything to add to that? No, I'm looking forward to the next uh, the next segment. I'll we look. should take some notes, make some bullet points, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's gonna get better, you know. We, well, we can't promise that. No, we can self-analyze our own behavior it's, it's though, and say we didn't do as good as we should have. <laughs> Again, it's a hope. It's a hope. Heart fails. Seventy-three. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My goal, once again, which we didn't really talk about very much at all here, is to motivate you, sir, as well as everybody else that might be listening to this, to go pick up their Bible, to read it, and spend some quality time in the Word of God. Last word, Tommy. We'll see you soon.